Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. As our regular listeners know, we are working through lists Lists that are found in the Bible. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul gives us three lists, and each one has a number of items. Nine in the first list, nine in the second list. We're working our way through the second one now. But you may remember that the first list was a list of hardships and sufferings and sacrifices that people who are serious about serving the Lord Jesus Christ are going to endure, and do it gladly. For Christ's sake. He lists those in verses 4 and 5 of chapter 6. Tribulations, needs, distresses, stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, sleeplessness, fastings. Some of the things that we can expect if we're going to be serious about serving Christ. Paul experienced all of these things to a great degree. Every child of God is going to experience some of these to a significant degree. And we can expect that. We better get ready for it. The second list is a list of the qualities that we will need in order to successfully endure the trials that we find in the first list and to successfully serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And that list is the following, beginning in verse 6. By purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Nine more items that we need to see developed in our life. It's similar, I suppose, in some ways to the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. Things that we will have incorporated in our lives if we are saved by the work of the Holy Spirit, for they are indeed the fruit of the Spirit, but they are things that we need to also deliberately cultivate in our lives. We don't just sit back and say, well, that's what the Holy Spirit is going to do, so it'll be interesting to watch him do it. But rather, we should say, these are the things that the Holy Spirit works in the lives of God's children. I'm a child of God, so let me cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in seeing these things developed in my life. And as I see that happen, that's a great encouragement to me that I am indeed a child of God. And that the Holy Spirit is working within me and that he is using me as we see love, long-suffering, kindness, and so forth, love, peace, the various fruit that we are familiar with 
<laughs> to some extent. I wasn't very good in quoting it just then. But the fruit of the Spirit that we're familiar with in Galatians chapter 5. I pause now to welcome you to this Friday, February 3 edition of the Beacon Broadcast, to thank you for joining us, and to encourage you to consider a contribution to enable us to continue teaching God's Word on this station. Well, we come back to that second list of qualities that we need. First, purity. Second, knowledge. And we're going to go on to the third one in a moment, long-suffering. But let me back up just a minute to that business of purity. I spent several broadcasts talking about that, what what an assault, what an assault there is upon purity in our day. And I just want to say one thing, and that is, in society, we're never going to make inroads against the flood tide of immorality and, and impurity until we become more honest about it and what's going on. For example, we when when um, somebody exposes the photos that they they hack on somebody's phone or somehow get a hold of online of photos, nude photos and so forth, and and broadcast them. This happens every now and then. It happened oh, not too many weeks or maybe a few months ago now with one of the sports teams that somebody, one of the women's sports teams, I think it was a volleyball team, that somebody got a hold of a whole bunch of pictures of all of these players. I think they were topless and they had this photo. And and, and the outrage, oh, what a horrible thing for somebody to to uh, steal this material and to broadcast this material. They have no right to do that. And we we have uh, laws against that, and I agree with that. I'm not, I'm not asking that to be changed at all, but what I'm asking us to do is to at least be honest enough to say, if you didn't take photos like this, they couldn't be stolen. Your, your photos couldn't be hacked. Your phone couldn't be hacked. You, they couldn't be. You couldn't be embarrassed by them if you didn't take them in the first place. Don't don't we have to have some standard of recognition, some willingness to recognize that this is not acceptable behavior to produce photos like that in the first place? But on the one hand, we take the position that everybody ought to have the freedom to do whatever they want to do sexually. But if in doing so it somehow brings some unwanted or some unintended consequence, then we've got to hold the person responsible who seemed to in some way bring about that consequence. That's not the way things work. We've got to be more honest. I I find this is something among... God's people, that's a real problem. Sometimes God's people fall into immorality. We have to deal with it, sadly, in churches, and we better learn to deal with it because it's true, and it does happen, and we we have to deal with people who have been immoral in their behavior, and and that becomes discovered, and it needs to be addressed, and they need to acknowledge their, their wrong, and 
and seek repentance, seek seek pardon, not only from God, but also from from the church, the people that they had a responsibility to, to live in a certain way, and they've, they failed to do that. But so many times what happens is maybe people will make some kind of a an initial acknowledgement and confession, but it isn't long before they're they're blaming everybody else but themselves. They the reason they did that is because somebody else did this and somebody else did that and everybody else is to blame but themselves. Well, of course that is a sinful human response that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It was Adam who, when he was confronted by God by his sin, excused himself by saying, well, it's the woman that you gave me. And and the woman, when she was confronted with her sin, said, well, it was a serpent that you sent into the garden. And so this is a very common human activity to to blame shift, but it's an evidence of sin. It's not an evidence of genuine repentance. If we're going to get a handle on purity in our lives as Christians, we're going to have to be to deal honestly with our sin and truly confess it and forsake it and not make excuses for it and not blame other people for it. I wouldn't do this if this hadn't happened and that hadn't happened and somebody else was in, is responsible for this. There may be others who have have contributed to it, but the Word of God teaches us to take full responsibility. Just like David, when he finally was brought to repentance through the instrumentality of the prophet Nathan, and it took a while. David continued on in his sin and justification for his sin for many months before he finally came to true repentance, but when he did, he wasn't blaming Bathsheba because she enticed him by bathing in a place where she could be seen by David. And we really don't know all the details that went on there, but that would seem to be the case. He wasn't blaming Bathsheba. He wasn't blaming somebody else. He blamed himself and himself only. I'm to blame. I take full responsibility. I do that, O Lord, so that when you judge me, everybody will know that you are just in your judgment. I'm the guilty sinner against thee, and thee only have I sinned and done this evil which is in thy sight. That's the attitude that Christians must take if they're going to be forgiven and cleansed and enabled to overcome these sins of impurity. And it seems to me like there's a not only a, a flood tide of impurity that's even washed into the lives of Bible-believing churches and in the lives of Christian people, but there is also a flood tide of excuse-making and justification which is somehow considered to be acceptable. No, I could go on and on with this. I've got to stop. I will say that I'm I'm grieved that in, in cases where notable Christian leaders have fallen into immorality, as is a sad, sad reality in many cases, I'm grieved at how many t- how many times 
within a matter of a, a relatively short time, they are pronounced restored and put right back into the ministry again. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down here. We can't expect to have a good level of, of purity, a strong level of purity in our churches and, and among our young people coming up and so forth if we treat it lightly, if we treat it as it's not really that serious a matter. It can be dealt with and quickly um, quickly ratified, quickly uh, uh, erased from lives and people can be qualified for service and back they go. Because after all, this is a very gifted man and he has an important ministry. It's even, in my mind, questionable whether a man who's fallen into public immorality should ever be allowed back into the pulpit again. But I'm not going to say dogmatically that that can't happen. I'm just saying I've got some questions about that. But one thing I'm sure of, he's not qualified to be back in the pulpit in three months or even six months or even in a year or two, in my, my mind, I know this is my, my opinion, but, see, not only is he not qualified, it's, it's, you're likely putting a man back in a place of, of spiritual leadership who's not qualified to be there, but you are trivializing these sins in the minds of God's people. It is no big thing. You can fall, and it can all be taken care of in a relatively easy way, and on we go. And the first item, the first item in this list of nine things that we need in order to be effective servants of the Lord Jesus Christ is purity. We're going to have to take that seriously. We're going to have to take God's word for it. We're going to have to fight for it. We're going to have to uphold it and maintain it if we're going to be effective in our service for Christ. Until next week, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.